Hey, my name is Fernie, and I'm the pastor here at Mid-City Church, and I want to welcome you to this week's episode of the Mid-City Church Sermon Cast. We're in week two of Lent, and we're going to be talking about how our faith uh, can deepen every single day if we're intentional. And so if you are somebody who looks at your own faith journey and you think, I'm not very, uh, I'm not a very mature Christian, or I don't know as much as I should know, or, or I'm not as, as good or as smart as that other person, I have some good news for you. So I hope this message is inspiring and comforting for you. So you ready? Let's go. of weeks ago, my wife Susie and I signed up for a couple of baby classes at the hospital. And in case you didn't know, my wife is expecting in the middle of this of summer of 2023, and we're really excited. But I have to tell you, we took these classes, and uh, the first one was pretty good. The second one, I freaked out a little bit. See, at first, uh, the instructor started talking about things like uh, while the baby will only sleep one to three hours, uh, overall, baby's going to sleep 16 to 18 hours, right? So I thought to myself, I'll be able to nap somewhere in between, uh, and it's going to be okay, right? Then she said things like, um, when you do night feedings, make sure that the room stays dark so the baby can fall right back asleep. And I thought, great, I can uh, help out with that and I can make sure that happens. And she wanted to tell us that uh, the baby should move to the crib uh, at about four to six months old and that she strongly recommends having a sound machine uh, because um, babies can sleep better with that. And and even that the, the temperature of the water should be at a specific temperature, right? I mean, there was all these things that I was like, okay, great. I can write this down. I'll remember it. I can do it. The class was going great and I was learning a lot. And more than anything, I started thinking to myself, you have nothing to worry about. And then it was as if a light switch just went off because out of nowhere, the class took a big turn. She started telling us about uh, baby blues and postpartum depression. She started telling us about hormones after birth and possible baby hallucinations and the importance of washing the baby a specific way and what's going to happen with the umbilical cord and the possibility of baby acne and why we shouldn't pop them and even why we must not use sunscreen on the baby until the baby's at least six months old. I mean, instantly, I went from thinking, oh, this isn't going to be that bad to what in the world am I getting myself into? Right? The idea that our baby's life depend, is going to depend so much on our ability to feed her, to take care of her, to spot when she's not doing right, to keep her away from danger, and the preciseness with which we act with all of this. I all of a sudden started feeling some anxiety bubbling up. See, some days I can barely take care of myself. How in the world am I supposed to take care of our baby and keep her safe and healthy and out of harm's way? So I was panicking, and that night I, I called my mom and I was talking to her on the phone, and I started telling her about how anxious I was feeling and how worried I was feeling and how this class really like took me down this bad rabbit hole, and, and I told her I, I wish I hadn't taken this class because now I'm questioning everything. And then, very calmly, and probably with a bit of laughter in her tone, she said, Fernie, you do realize it won't be like that forever, right? The baby will grow up. And she will learn to take care of herself and you're all going to be just fine. To be honest, when the teacher started telling us about all the worst case scenarios after the baby would be born, I really started thinking to myself that it would be that way for the rest of my life. 
And, and then suddenly when my mom reminded me that the baby would grow up, that she wouldn't stay tiny and hopeless for the rest of her life, I realized that seeing our daughter grow up is probably going to be an amazing journey of seeing her depend fully on us and slowly, day by day, year by year, she will mature, she will learn, she will grow up until someday she will be an independent young woman who will help to bring about heaven in her own unique way. The reality is that in many ways, growth is the natural course of life, right? I mean, we not only grow into our adulthood, we grow into our gifts and our graces, we grow into our passions, we grow into our habits, we grow into knowledge, and growth is just a natural progression of life, right? As we journey through the second week of Lent, we're introduced to this guy named Nicodemus. Now, in many ways, Nicodemus is a very important character in the Gospel of John, but at the same time, unless you pay close attention, you can read the entire Gospel without ever stopping to think much about Nicodemus. But like I said, this second week of Lent, we stop to notice him and his journey. So let me tell you uh, what we know about Nicodemus. So Nicodemus was a devout Jewish man who was a part of the Sanhedrin, which is the governing judicial body for the Jewish people. And part of what this group did, the, the Sanhedrin, part of what they did or what it was meant to do was to be on the lookout for false prophets or religious rebellions in order to keep the peace uh, wherever they were. And that's exactly what this group does throughout the Gospel of John. Over and over and over again, members of the Sanhedrin question Jesus. They try to trick Jesus. They even debate among themselves as to how to get rid of Jesus. See, as a group, we get the sense that they were diametrically opposed to Jesus and his mission, which makes our introduction to Nicodemus so much more interesting. Listen to the scripture from John chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a Jewish leader. He came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could do these miraculous signs that you do unless God is with him. Okay, so on a surface level, this seems like Nicodemus is on board with Jesus and his ministry, right? I mean, just think about it. Nicodemus is not just a Pharisee, uh, a part of the people who oppose what Jesus is doing. We're, we're also told that he's a leader among the Pharisees. And this man, this Pharisee, this leader comes to Jesus and says, we know that God has sent you into the world to do miraculous signs, right? On a surface level, this seems like a huge win, maybe, just maybe, the Pharisees are starting to come around. They're starting to believe that maybe Jesus is who he says he is. But if we pay close attention, we realize that the Pharisees aren't really coming around at all. It's really just Nicodemus who seems to be coming around. See, it's Nicodemus who starts wondering if maybe they're wrong about Jesus. And we know this because scripture tells us that he comes to Jesus at night. Now, if you think about all the times that the Pharisees confront Jesus in the Gospels, it's always in the middle of the day, in front of crowds, in very visible ways. A Pharisee confronting Jesus in broad daylight, nobody would question it. But Nicodemus isn't here to confront Jesus. He wants to learn from Jesus. He, he wants Jesus to know that he's trying to believe in who he says he is. He, he's trying to be a disciple of Jesus, but no, he doesn't want anybody to find out. And so uh, doing this can't happen in the daylight because he would be putting everything he has at risk. So Nicodemus goes to Jesus at night. See, at night, no one would see him. 
At night, no one would judge him for meeting with the quote-unquote enemy. At night, he could be honest and open with Jesus about the fact that he is starting to come around without getting in any trouble with his fellow Pharisees. Coming to Jesus at night was the best way to say, yes, I believe in you, Jesus. But at the same time, he's also saying, I'm not ready to give anything up for the sake of following you just yet. Now, some of you have heard this story before, but I started getting involved in church when I was in middle school. I and a group of my friends, we were all learning to play guitar around the same time, and it became a habit among us to show off to each other anytime somebody learned something new or did something special with music. Uh, there was just this like, friendly competition among us about trying to figure out who was better. Well, one day, a pastor of a United Methodist church in El Paso, Texas, who was a former student of my dad's, invited us to his church. And uh, so we went, and, and, and as soon as he found out that I could play guitar, he invited me to play with the worship team. Now, I didn't want to play with them at first because in my mind, it wasn't cool enough to play in a, wor a worship team, in a church team. But then I realized that I could tell my friends that I had been invited to join a band that had uh, gigs every weekend, and that would make me look really cool among my friends, right? And technically, I wasn't lying. We did play every weekend. It just wasn't the kind of playing that I led them to believe it was. See, like Nicodemus, I compartmentalized my relationship with Jesus. When I was at church, I was all in. But when I was with my friends, I wouldn't even hint at the fact that I was on a worship team and I, that I actually enjoyed doing it. See, doing so would have been the end of my popularity in middle school. And any of you who have ever been in middle school know how important your popularity is, right? I think that if we're honest, at some point or another, maybe for an extended period of time or for just a short conversation, we uh, hide the fact that we're trying to have a relationship with Jesus because we're afraid of what people will think or the effect that it will have on our social lives. And if you are um, Nicodemus, right, you, you, uh, in, in this story, you're getting afraid of getting kicked out of your social group and losing your means of income, right? I mean, that's what's at stake for him. At, essentially, what, what Nicodemus is saying is, I want to follow Jesus, I want to be all in, but I'm not ready to give anything up for it yet. Now, look, you don't have to let me know, but have you ever been in that same place where, yes, you want to go in all in with Jesus, but you also don't want to give anything up yet? If that's you, if you look at your life and you realize that you have separated your relationship with Jesus from your day-to-day -day activities for fear of the repercussions, I want to tell you it's okay. You are not a bad Christian. You're not a bad follower of Jesus. It doesn't even mean that Jesus is going to hate you if he quote unquote finds out. So if you're sitting here and you're thinking to yourself that you're just like Nicodemus, take a deep breath and hear me say this. It's okay to have this separation between your relationship with Jesus and your relationship with those around you. Here's what's not okay. If you're trying to have a relationship with Jesus in the safety of the night where no one will judge you or criticize you, it's okay if you start there, but it's not okay to stay there forever. I mean, just think about it. When a baby starts crying because a baby is tired or hungry, no one is going to get mad or judge the baby for that because after all, that's what babies do, right? Now, let's pretend that that baby grows up, becomes a young adult, is in a relationship, has a career, and now this, uh, this person is all grown up and they still start crying anytime that they're tired or hungry, right? Many of us would be like, what's wrong with you, right? Grow up, right? The same is true for us with our faith. 
As our relationship with Jesus grows and deepens, as we mature and grow into our faith, we begin to leave some things behind us, some habits behind us. And like my mom said, the baby will grow up and learn to take care of herself, right? So too will we grow into our faith and learn to cultivate it and become more mature Christians and begin to care less about what others think of us. If you currently have your faith and your personal life separated, I want you to hear me one more time. It's okay. But day by day, month by month, year by year, you have to allow your faith to grow. You have to deepen your faith. You have to learn to trust Jesus a little bit more and let him into all aspects of your life every single day. And that's exactly what Nicodemus does. Little by little, he begins to mature in his faith and begins to let Jesus into more and more of his life. Let me prove it to you. A couple of chapters later, in John chapter 7, we're told that the Pharisees sent some guards to arrest Jesus. But after hearing him teach, the guards returned to the Pharisees empty-handed and, and told them that they were impressed with the way that Jesus spoke, and so they couldn't bring themselves to arrest him. Now, angry at what had happened, the Pharisees scolded the guards, and they said this, Have you too been deceived? Have any of the leaders believed in him? Has any Pharisee? No, only this crowd which doesn't know the law. In other words, they're trying to discredit Jesus and anyone who dares to believe in him, right? Which if you put yourself in Nicodemus' shoes and you're listening to them say this, you would probably just want to keep your mouth shut and, and not say anything at all, right? But that's not what happens. As the other Pharisees are criticizing the guards for not arresting Jesus and trying to discredit who Jesus is, Nicodemus speaks up and says this, our law doesn't judge someone without first hearing him and learning what he is doing, does it? In other words, he, he stands up to his fellow Pharisees. He takes a risk. He, he sticks his neck out for Jesus. Why are we treating him like this? Doesn't our law forbid it, right? Doesn't the scripture forbid us from doing this? See, Nicodemus's faith has absolutely grown by this point. It's deepened. It's matured. This guy who in the beginning only had enough courage to come to Jesus at night now had the courage to stand up to those around him. He's still a little vague, and you can't tell without a doubt that he believes in Jesus' teaching, but this is a huge step for him to take. So, so then we encounter Nicodemus one more time, right after Jesus dies on the cross. We're told that he and a disciple named Joseph asked Pilate for permission to take Jesus' body and place him in a tomb. And Nicodemus in particular, we're told that he brings nearly 75 pounds of myrrh and aloe to use as part of the Jewish burial customs. Now look, there's nothing more public than Nicodem that Nicodemus could have done than walk up to the cross, bring Jesus' body down, take his lifeless body to a tomb, and prepare it for burial. I mean, everyone would have been able to see him do this, right? And from this point forward, it would have been impossible for him to hide or even deny his faith in Jesus. I want you to hear me say this. It's not about where your faith journey begins. It's about putting yourself in a position that allows your faith to grow more and more and more every day, just as Nicodemus does in these three different uh, moments. So I first experienced my call to ministry when I was in high school, and my pastor at the time really mentored me and taught me and helped me grow in my faith. But I have to tell you, this same person who helped me recognize my call to ministry was also the same person who almost kept me away from saying yes to God. 
See, in his sermons, he would tell these incredible stories about how uh, when his wife was pregnant, for instance, they didn't have money to buy groceries, and they decided to both kneel down and pray. And when they said amen, there was a, they, they, they felt a nudge to go check their fridge, and there was a full chicken in their fridge for them to eat. Uh, right? I mean, just this incredible story. He, he also told a story about how when he was young, uh, his family was moving, and he and his cousins had to travel in the bed of the truck the entire journey. And uh, he told us that when they made it to their destination, his parents were shocked to see that he and all of his cousins were completely dry, even though there was rain on the entire drive, right? Uh, and uh, he, he tells a story about how he and his cousins didn't even realize it was it was raining. They, they just thought it was sunny all uh, the entire ride. Right. So so he he told these stories like uh, stories like this. And, and he would always say something along the lines of this is how big and how powerful God is. Right. That God can do things like this in your life. Now, don't get me wrong. These are great stories. And do I believe that they happened? Absolutely. They can happen. That's how big God is. Right. But the reason these stories led me to ignore my call to ministry was because in my mind, if I was really called into ministry, God would be doing things like this in my life. I would be able to tell these incredible stories of how God came through in my life when I least expected God to do so. See, I looked at my relationship with God, and I assumed that because it didn't compare with other more mature Christians, that surely I was a bad follower of Jesus. But Nicodemus proves to us that it doesn't matter where your faith journey begins. It doesn't matter if your relationship with God right now is full of doubt and questions. It doesn't matter if you are sitting in the middle of a mess and are doubting that God can help you out of it. Your starting point doesn't matter. What matters is that you give your faith permission to grow more and more every day. What matters is that despite the doubts and the fears, that you give yourself permission to question until your faith grows more and more. What matters is that until you feel bold enough to proclaim publicly that Jesus is who he says he is, that you give yourself permission to slowly mature into your faith. Friends, wherever you are in your faith, remember that Nicodemus, the one who first showed up in the middle of the night with nothing but an inkling of faith, is the same one who eventually had a bold enough faith to prepare Jesus to lay in a tomb. Don't judge yourself for where you are today. Don't be hard on yourself for having questions and still being uh, not being quite sure where you stand. All of this is okay. But like my mom said, it won't be like that forever. And it can't be like that forever. If you nurture your faith, if you keep showing up to small groups and reading scripture and praying and questioning things that don't make sense, like a baby who grows up and matures into an adult, your faith will grow up and mature and blossom into something that you can't even begin to imagine. So friends, during this season of Lent, I pray that you will dive, uh, dive deep into these spiritual disciplines, dive deep into your faith, so that by the time Lent, uh, Lent, the season of Lent ends, you will be able to look at your faith journey and say, I have gone deeper. It has grown so much. Again, your starting point doesn't matter. What matters is that you will see growth in your journey. May it be so. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Mid-City Church Sermon Cast. If you'd like to dive deeper, visit midcity.church slash sermoncast to find a home sheet that goes along with this message. On the home sheet, you'll find scriptures, 
questions to wrestle with, and a challenge that goes along with this sermon cast. I want to invite you to support our ministry here at Mid-City Church by giving today. To give, text the word GIVE, G-I-V-E, to the phone number 225-307-0662. Thanks and see you next week.